Welcome to the UMMC Bible Study Podcast, a podcast produced with students at UMMC. My name is Tim Chen, and I'm a former graduate of the UMC Medical School. Currently, I'm a family physician practicing in Mississippi. The goal of our podcast is to help our students and their families grow closer with the Lord and stronger in their faith and walk with God. With the rigors of school, it can be difficult to spend time with the Lord as well as fellowship with other believers. We hope that this podcast uplifts you during this challenging time and encourages you in your journey with God. Welcome back to the UMMC Bible Study Podcast. I've got Wesley with me today. He's the first year medical student at UMMC, about to finish his first semester actually. He's got a bunch of huge tests coming up, so I'm glad you made some time to be on the pod today. How are you doing, Wesley? Well, we'll be feeling better in a couple of weeks, so ask me again later. But thanks for having me on, Tim. I'm excited to get into Philippians today. Absolutely. Well, before we start today, I want to give our listeners a recap concerning what we talked about last week and what we will be focusing on today. Last week, Christian and I had an overview of the book of Philippians. We stated that while Paul's other epistles, like Ephesians and Colossians, are full of deep truths, like God's eternal plan, the body of Christ, God's eternal will, Philippians is different. It does not focus on the deep mysteries of God. Rather, it focuses on experience, and not just a general Christian experience, but one that is summarized in Philippians 1.21a. For to me to live is Christ. What does it mean to live Christ? And not just in a theoretical dissertation explanation of living Christ, what does it mean to live Christ in your day-to-day living? Well, today, we're going on in the book of Philippians to get a deeper picture of Paul's experience of living Christ. We will be reading Philippians 1, 3-11, and we want to focus on two things. Number one, how is the gospel that Paul is preaching tell us to live Christ? And number two, how does Paul's experience of living Christ relate to the other brothers and sisters? Wesley, do you mind reading Philippians 1, 3 through 11? Philippians 1, 3 through 11. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearned for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Thanks, Wesley. Let's stop here for a second and focus on verse 7. You have to ask yourself, what was Paul in prison for? Was it because he stole something or committed some violent crime? No, he was there because he was defending and confirming the gospel. But not just any type of gospel, because I think if Paul was just saying things like, Christ died for you to cleanse you of your sins so that when you die you can go to heaven, no one would really imprison him for that. But Paul was defending and confirming the complete gospel, 
This matter of the complete gospel is what we touched on in all of the Romans podcast. So for those of our listeners who are new, I encourage you to go back and listen to that series. Wesley, do you mind explaining what we mean by the complete gospel? Yeah, and when, when you brought up this matter of the complete gospel, it reminded me of a short little passage in Galatians, actually. This is Galatians 1, 6, and 7. And Paul is saying, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. And what you see in juxtaposition here are not deserting the true gospel and turning to a different gospel, but rather Paul is saying you're deserting him and you're turning to a different gospel, really indicating that the real gospel is a person. Because if Paul were just preaching a gospel of obedience to the authorities and living a good life, the authorities would probably be okay with that. And, and Paul does talk about um, the need to obey authorities because they've been placed above us by God. But this complete gospel, people want to imprison because it does something so transformative with people. It changes their lives and turns it upside down, thoroughly transforms them that the, the devil really doesn't like that. And he will use whatever means necessary, which is other people, to, to try to stop that. You are exactly right, Wesley. Even in Paul's time, there was already ones that were watering down the gospel to try and make it more adaptable for the times or the culture. But Paul would not do that. It's not that he's just a contrarian or old-fashioned or he just wants to be difficult, but he was experiencing a person. He was preaching not just rules and regulations, but he was preaching Christ. Christ was the gospel. Even more, the gospel wasn't something that was separate from him. Rather, like we said earlier, Paul was living Christ. He was living this gospel, this wonderful person. And because of that, he had no choice. He had to defend Christ against anything that wasn't Christ. And he also confirmed everything that was Christ. And the reason he had to do this wasn't because this is what good Christians do. Rather, Christ was a real person that he experienced on a day-to-day basis. Christ was real to him, and not only him, but even to all the fellow believers in Philippi. In verse 5, Paul said, because of your partnership in the gospel. Paul was living and speaking Christ as a gospel, as was the believers in the church in Philippi. And like you said, the devil hates that. He hates Christ. He also hates the work of Christ, and therefore he hated Paul and had to imprison him. Now let's keep going on here, Wesley, because here was Paul stuck in a Roman prison. Prisons today aren't nice, but back then it really wasn't nice. In fact, it was pretty scary. It was also very isolating. Yet if you read these verses and see Paul's attitude, you couldn't tell that he's in prison. In fact, he probably did have lots of his own problems, yet he was more encouraged and interested in the Christians in the church in Philippi specifically in their growth with Christ, in their living in Christ. In fact, in verse 6, it says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. According to the context of Philippians, what is this good work? It is them living Christ. It's Christ growing in them. It looks like you have something you want to add. Yeah, verse 6 is a very encouraging verse. Paul says, I am sure of this. Having that kind of confidence and assurance 
really comes with comes through our relationship with the Lord. But it's not even confidence and assurance that He'll necessarily work it out in us, but He'll work it out in others, the other believers around us. Um, and I think this really speaks to the relationship of that that we believers need to have with each other. I heard this term once: body consciousness, where you're not conscious of your own self or even considering your own needs so much. Paul here in prison surely had a lot of needs. Yet here he's saying, I'm sure of this. I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Yeah, it just reminds me, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know how much I pray for the completion of God's work in others. Uh, sometimes I'll be, <laughs> verses and passages like this will remind me, but there, there's, a, there's a need for us as believers to progress in our Christian walk where we not only care for our own growth in life, but care desperately so much for the growth of Christ in our brothers and sisters. Amen. In our last podcast series in Romans, we ended on this matter of the body of Christ. And we were just wondering, what did that look like practically? Theoretically, we could talk about the body of Christ, but what would it look like in real life? Meaning, how do you live in your daily life while also living as a member of the body of Christ? And I believe these few verses in Philippians really show that. Paul had a genuine care for his fellow believers, even above his own circumstances. In fact, in verse 8, it says, For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ. It wasn't like Paul only cared for the believers that were like him. For example, you and me, Wesley, we're both in the medical field. We have similar personalities, so I care about you. No, rather it says that Paul's care for the believers was according to the affection of Christ. It was Christ's affection toward the believers lived out of Paul. Again, really showcasing that verse, For to me to live is Christ. And demonstrating what a member of the body of Christ, what their living would look like. I think so. Verse 8 is, a, I think, an excellent summary of this transformative gospel that we're talking about. This gospel being the person, Christ Jesus. Because it brings you from someone being a person who may know outwardly, oh, I should, I should love my brothers and sisters because the Bible tells me so. To becoming a person who loves your brothers and sisters because Christ in you loves them. As a short aside with the Greek, because I, I really like the Greek, this word affection in the Greek is actually splanchnis, which where we get the word splanchnik, for you med students, you know, the splanchnik nerve fibers. And so really it's the inward viscera. I think it was used to describe like sacrifices. Paul was so identified with Christ that his inward organs, his compassion, his feeling was that of Christ's. It was the same inward parts. And I think that is just such a good picture to show how much he was identified with Christ. And it was the gospel that he lived and breathed each day that transformed him inward to out. It wasn't following rules and behaviors, but how, do you, how can your inward parts be changed? It has to be something intrinsic. Wow, amazing point, Wesley. I want to summarize everything that we have fellowshiped up to this point. When Paul was still Saul in the book of Acts, he was probably the best law keeper. In fact, later in the book of Philippians, you will see that he states that according to the law, he was blameless. 
that he was persecuting Christians, thinking he was serving God. In fact, the Lord Jesus prophesied this in John 16, that in those days they will kill you thinking they are serving God. So here was a perfect law follower. However, he was also one that was actually in direct opposition to God. So God met him on the road to Damascus, and I truly believe that encounter with the Lord affected him forever. During that encounter, he asked the Lord, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord replied, I am Jesus. Wesley, I think that answer caused Paul to seek to know who Jesus is for the rest of his life. And not just know the Lord in a historical way, but to know Jesus as this wonderful living person. To announce Him as the complete gospel, even to learn how to live Christ. Whether He was in a mansion or He was in prison, in all things, He wanted to live Christ. The second part of the Lord's answer was, I am Jesus whom you persecute. Paul surely wondered what the Lord was talking about. How could Paul persecute Jesus who was in heaven? Then it became clear. The believers in Christ are one. The believers are his body. And I believe this affected Paul as seen in what we read today. He realized he has to enjoy this Christ, not just for his own benefit, but also for the sake of the other members of the body of Christ. His inward affection was the same as Christ's inward affection toward his believers. Even in his horrible situation, he still had such a concern for all the believers in Philippi, not because he was supposed to, but because out of his abundant enjoyment of Christ, what issued out was a deep care for the church in Philippi. What a pattern to us. Any closing thoughts, Wesley? I think that was a good summary. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see how, how we go with this, this matter of living Christ experiencing Christ in a very personal way, yet not selfishly. Personal, but not selfish. My experience, but for you. You know, it's, it's certainly with the body in view, and that's, that's evident from just the, these opening verses. Amen. Well, thank you for your time, Wesley. I know you have a lot going on, but it was so good to fellowship with you, and I hope to have you back on soon. To our wonderful students, may the Lord be grace to you this week as you guys study for finals. I hope to see you guys Wednesday as we wrap up the Bible study for this semester. I'm praying for you all. Thanks again, Wesley. Thank you, Tim. With thy beauty, none can compete. When thy voice first came to my ear, whispering in my heart words most dear. All past loves and names lost their charm for me All my bows so vain now appear Throughout all the world who compares with thee Who so full of worth, who so fair and sweet Only thou art worthy my love to win O Lord Jesus, how I love thee No more I no more self-deceit No more in the self's world indulged to be Deep within I know you're my only love My best love is none else but thee Jesus Lord, 
my best love thou art Riddle rocks to hide in my heart Gladly I, thy bond slave of love would be One heart, one will ever with thee Though my heart is of not subdued Still thy way alone it would choose All I yearn for is what thy heart desires In thy love alone peace I find Throughout all the world who compares with thee Who so full of worth, who so fair and sweet Only thou art worthy my love to win Oh Lord Jesus how I love thee No more I who live, no more self-deceive No more in the self's world indulge to be deep within I know you're my only love My best love is none else but thee Jesus Lord, my best love thou art Ne'er again from thee I depart Never hide thy dear smiling face from me To none else I'd clean, Lord, but thee To thee, Lord, my all I outpour How thy love my heart deeply fills My eternal portion, most precious, Lord None but thee I want evermore Throughout all the world, who compares with thee? Who's so full of worth, who's so fair and sweet? Only thou art worthy, my love, to win. Oh, Lord Jesus, how I love thee. No more I who live, no more self-deceive. No more in the self's world indulge to be deep within. My only love, my best love, is none else but thee.